appreciate Steve telling us about our church calendar that is used throughout Christendom, and especially in the Protestant world where we, this is the first Sunday of Epiphany, and we don't normally talk about these things in our church, but many Protestant churches around the world will take the next eight Sundays and deal with epiphanal themes. You say, well, what's Epiphany? Epiphany means to shine. It means that light breaks through into our lives. And now that Jesus has come and been born and is in the world, if you will, so too his life starts to engage our lives and we're really intended to shine. So think of that when you hear that word epiphany. Just think of the, of the of thought. It means to shine. Now for us it's great because in our calendar it comes on the first Sunday of the year. And that's when we all kind of want to shine better anyway, and that might mean losing weight, being nicer to our wives, or not getting upset no matter what happens at 3.30 today on Fox Sports. <laughs> you know, we all want to become better people all the time. And so this morning, we have decided that in our uh, services and in, in all our campuses, we're going to be talking about how to have a whole and balanced life. And it really has three dimensions to it. How many of you have heard the term before, love God, grow together, and reach the world? How many of you have heard that? We, I mean, we drill it into you like crazy in our church. You know, you know the Bible and know love God, grow together, and reach the world. Because it's the mission of our church. But as I've said so many times, it's also the personal mission that each of us has. And if you will, the balanced Christian life is one that puts together those three aspects. Loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Number two, loving one another and growing together in the faith. And number three, loving the world enough to want to reach the world, right? It's all three of those things. And so, if you will, simple sermon today. Part one is going to be how to love God more. Part two is how to love one another more and grow together. And part three is how to love the world and reach the world. Very, very simple. So the first one is to love God. And I'm going to ask that we stand and read the scriptures surrounding that. So if you would, please, stand. If you have your Bibles, open them to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. Colossians 1, 26 through 29. So open it up, turn it on, or simply see it with me on the screen. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, and we admonish and we teach everyone with all wisdom so that we may uh, present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ powerfully works in me. Please be seated. 
So the first aspect of leading a whole life, here's another way of looking at that, incidentally. Here's, uh, I kind of got into this this morning when I pulled out the Cheerios box. Uh, because I recognize dietary importance is more than ever in my life right now. And, and I know that I need to have the mac... <laughs> here's a great word for you. You probably didn't know this word. You'll go home with something. Macronutrients. Whoa. <laughs> What did the pastor teach on today? Macronutrients. You just tell them that. Macronutrients are basically all the foods that are put in three categories of proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. So I pulled out the Cheerios. I looked at how they were in a balance. I go, hmm, needs a little more. So I put some banana on there. With lots of carbs and bananas, lots of vitamins as well. That's good. Still a little low on my protein. Okay, milk will come in. Eight grams of protein right there. Yes, but you also need fats to balance it all out. Nuts will do. And so my Cheerios bowl was Cheerios, milk, banana, and nuts. And you wonder why I look so vibrant today. Well, that's what we're talking about in the spiritual life. If you will, if you will what we're doing today is trying to give us the pattern of, of, of macronutrients of the spiritual life. And the first one, above and beyond anything, is to love God more and more and more. Love God, love God, love God. In the passage, uh, and I'm especially camping on verse 27 at this time, says, to them, meaning the Gentiles, God has chosen to make known among them the glorious riches of this mystery. Stop right there. The glorious riches of this mystery. What do you think of when somebody says to you, would you like to have some glorious riches? Yes. I see lotto. Glorious riches. I see wealth. I see inheritance. I see uh, primarily a money deal when I think of glorious riches. No, no, this is far beyond money. Glorious riches. Glorious riches. And then he says, the glorious riches of this mystery. This is just like Paul. Just when he's going to give you something practical, he muddles it up with, 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 with words and thoughts that go deeper than our theology can muster. The glorious riches which are a mystery. Now, the word mystery isn't used a lot in the New Testament. Paul uses it to define nine different things, and here's essentially what it means. Something so great you can never understand it all. That's what mystery means. It, 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 at the end of the day, it's incomprehensible. So what is the glorious riches and the mystery which we'll never fully get a hold of that he's talking about? And here it is. In every Bible I've ever used, I have these words underscored. I have two different highline colors on this one now in mine. The glorious riches of this mystery. What mystery? Christ in you. It's the hope of glory. Christ in you. At the birth of Christ, God comes down to be with us. 
When the Holy Spirit comes, God takes over inside us. The incarnation, he comes to be with us in human body. In the Spirit, he now enters our spirit, our consciousness, and he take up, takes up residence. We don't hear this enough or we hear it too much because it's very hard to get it and live it. You are not the only one that lives in the essence of who you are now if you know Jesus Christ. Christ in you. Christ in you. The new birth is not about you ending. It's about God coming to join himself with you in your essence so that you live differently, so that you feel differently, so that you are different. Christ in me. Christ in me. Union with Christ. Now, it has two great benefits, Christ in me. One is intimacy. How much closer can you get to someone than to have them dwelling within you? I like the term that N.T. Wright uses. He says, it's, it's the king of the universe living right inside you. How much closer could God get? He couldn't get any closer until we're with him not only in spirit, but face to face. And that's in the heavenly lands. I don't know why every person on the planet doesn't want to become a Christian because you get to have God right there with you, in you, union with Christ. And so our love grows. I, I remember when Marie and I were engaged, we were engaged far too long. 18 months, stupid, stupid, all of you that are young, just don't wait that long. Because about halfway through it, all I wanted to do is not to have to go home at night. I just wanted to be with her. And she can never be in me, and I'm not in her, and yet there's this union, which we'll celebrate 40 years here in just a few weeks. Uh, I love her. She loves me. We're together. One of the hardest things about losing a spouse is you feel like your own being has been split in half. I know. Well, even that's only a shadow of what it is to have God in me and in you, whispering his truths into our spirit. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. I'll tell you, there is nothing, nothing like it in all the world. I love what Jonathan Edwards says about it. He says it's a union. And he says because uh, love desires union. So it shouldn't surprise us that God would not be content to only come down and be with us on earth. He would form union. That's what you do with a loved one. So there it is, intimacy. Christ in me, growing in my love for him, each day learning more of his love for me. Whoa, nothing like it on planet Earth. 
There's a second value, and you see it in Paul's last verse in 29 there. He says, to this end I, stren uh, to this end I strenuously contend with, and look at this, all the energy Christ so powerfully works. Where? In me. He's in there. So the intimacy factor blows off the chart. Loving God and being loved by God. But secondly, so does character and competencies. And, and the word he uses is dynamite. Dynamas. That's what energy means. Paul says his life is really hard, but there's an inner energy in him of growing character and growing capacities that, that exudes beyond what his body can even handle that causes him to make wrong right in the world, that causes him to preach the gospel everywhere. Yeah, when Christ is in you, your intimacy grows and your abilities are supercharged. I always use the element of the escalator here, everybody. If you've heard me use this before, say, can't he think of anything new? I can think of things that are new. I can't think of anything better. And so when I'm at O'Hare and I don't have to pull a bag and I'm just using my backpack and I'm always in the A and B terminals, B and C, excuse me, because I'm a United Million Mile Flyer and I've gotten really used to Gershwin. <laughs> if any of you go from B to C, right? Okay, all right. If I've only got my backpack, sometimes I don't get on the moving walkway because thinking about health and fitness, get as many steps as, as you can. And I'll go start going down, and then I will see people who even with their bag and the backpack are on the moving walkway, and they're going right past me. Dun, 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 Why? There's a power under them that moves them more than they could ever be moved alone. That's what it is with Christ in us. Don't you want to know this Christ for intimacy? Don't you want to experience this Christ who enables you to be far beyond what you are because he has taken up residency in your soul? Oh, it's a wondrous mystery, Christ in us. Now, how do we live out this truth? Well, if you will, I'm going to turn one page in the scripture and just read two verses to you. Colossians 3 one through three, and we'll put that up on the screen at this point. Colossians 3, one through three. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, that's another whole, if you will, word phrase to tie into this Christ in you and you in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. Don't worry about that right now. That's heaven. But look at verses 1 and 2. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. 
set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The way that you live in the fullness of Christ in you and you in Christ is when you, through Holy Spirit discipline, start dwelling on the things above, not the things on earth. Set your mind on the, what are the things above? The truths and the promises of God's word. The realities of heaven coming and being able to live well on earth. The promises of God that make no sense if we're just looking at our earthly lives. They don't make sense. That's because they're from a different dimension. The dimension in which God's children live. Example, I have to deal with this crazy cancer thing. So do 200 of you in our church. 5% of the population either has cancer or will have cancer or is close to someone who has cancer. And it's a horrendous, awful, despicable, wicked disease. And my own life, and therefore my family's life, is up and down and up and down, doing great, partial remission, temporary remission. Here it comes again. Here comes the cancer. Liver markers up, liver markers down. And it goes on and on and on. I, I've got to be in Chicago twice this week working with doctors at Northwestern on two different total things as an aspect of this stupid, wicked, despicable disease that God allows in his world. Now, you live on earthly sides, depression, doubt, fear fills you. You live on the heavenly side. My God is sovereign, and my God loves me, and my God loves my family, and my God knows what's best. Take it all the way, Lord. That mental switch from thinking earthly to thinking heavenly is what makes God's people able to shine and scintillate even in the most horrendous of conditions. Got a, got a note just yesterday from one of our missionary families. I can't give you names. It's the Middle East. There's danger, all of that stuff. But it was one guy, one of our guys out there letting me know that one of the men that has come to faith in Jesus Christ from a Muslim background and who is discipling other young men that are coming to Christ in, in a, from a Muslim background, that one of the men that's being discipled was martyred this week. And our, and our guy that we support, that you help support financially, he has to go underground now because now it has raised up this thing of looking for anyone that's a Christian to kill them. You look at that from an earthly perspective, it's horrible, it's despicable, it's ungodly, it's unjust. You look at it with heaven eyes. The strength of the church is in the blood of the saints. And that young man is in glory now. You see what I'm talking about? Now, I'm not supposed to take this long on this subject. But it's the main thing I'm getting across. 
This all has to do with loving God who is in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, who increases our love, who fills us with strength and energy. Paul, you read Colossians and you go, what a guy. He's chained in prison when he's writing this. He's not in an oasis outside Rome on the Mediterranean. He's chained. He's in prison. It's a prison letter. You get no sense that he hasn't risen above the earthly way of looking at things. You see? This is how we love God. You say, now how do I cultivate that lawn? What do I do this year? Will you spend time with him? You spend time with him. You, you, to me, and, and, and Rob said this this week too, if we could just get our people to, 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 to give at least 15 minutes a day to just being with God and nothing else, with just their Bibles and their prayers, and for me, a journal and you know, Starbucks. I got other things that help. But to, to listen, 15 to 30 minutes a day just focusing on the things above will allow you to stay on the things above when earth is grabbing at you from everywhere. So you say, how do we do this? Will you regularly spend time with God? Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. Successful people, successful Christians do consistently what most people do sporadically. You say, really? That would make a difference? Yes. But it's not because you read the Bible, and it's not because you pray, and it's not because you journal, or it's not because you do Lectio Divina. It's because those are all means to the end of you remembering Christ is in you, being filled with the Spirit, and setting your eyes on things above. They are the means to the ends of living the Spirit-full life. And so, here in our church, we say, love God above all else. It's the foundation for everything. Set your minds on the things above, not the things here on earth. And that is done by a regular diet of God's word and prayer and other holy habits, which then releases us to see ourselves the way God does and to sense his reality and his power. Okay? All right. Love God. We love God so much that we're going to grow together a little more quickly. All right. <laughs> Number two, grow together. That's our mission statement. I put the word love in front of it, however, because if you're growing together and you don't care about each other, you're not growing together. You know? so, so the love thing's got to dominate all of these, so you're going to see me do that. Love and grow together. In the, in the same letter, Paul, writing from prison, says some marvelous things in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. We're going to put that up there for you. It's just wondrous. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom 
through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word and deed, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father. We're going to camp just on 16 there because it's beautiful. Let the message of Christ, or as the ESV has it, let the word of Christ Dwell among you richly. Another translation has it this way. Let the word of Christ, see, where did I put it? Let the word of Christ in all its richness dwell in you. And you go, oh, yeah, that's, that's why I have my personal quiet times with God. That's, that's why I do, no, 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 no. Paul says, let the message of Christ dwell among you. See that pronoun? It can be read as singular or plural, and in context, it's plural. Let the word of Christ in all of its richness dwell among you all. Among you all, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through teaching, admonishment, songs, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with melody in your heart to God. Okay. This is the great calling to Christian community. Everything that we need personally to grow in Christ, we also need to be involved with together with God's people. Why? Because we are the priesthood of believers, and I need CJ to impart to me the parts of God she knows better than I do so that I can grow from that. And Lord knows she needs me. Uh, Christianity has never been, will never be, a personal sport. It's not tennis. It's not golf. It's like football. It's like baseball. It's like hockey. But let's not think about the Blackhawks this year. It's, it's together. Uh, think I, Someone, I read this this week. It was really cool. I've never thought of it. As soon as Jesus rose from the dead, he's in his resurrection body, right? What did he do? Stand in a mountain and proclaim truth to all the people before he would ascend to glory? No. He wanted to hang out with his friends. Mary was first. He didn't even get out of the garden without his dear friend Mary finding him and he finding her. And that led to later that night, all the disciples in the upper room, except of Thomas, of course, and he comes in later. Then the next scene, we see them up in Galilee, and, and they went back to fishing, and, and they see Jesus on the shore cooking fish for them, and they all come in and they eat together. When Jesus rose from the dead, he immediately re-entered his community. His friendships, his compadres. That should be enough for us right there. I would not live without the love of my friends. Now, Paul says part of this one another thing is so that we can teach and admonish, teach God's truth. 
Our life view is different than the world's, and we're bombarded by the world's or the earth's every day, and I need not only my individual time with God, I need my people time with the people of God in order for me to live above the fray. If you don't have a group you're involved in, three, four, five, seven, ten people, you want to get in one. It is a part, if you will, of your macronutrients. We need it. We teach one another. And we admonish one another. See that word? <laughs> Ew, tough word. It means we beat each other up in love. We gently help one another see things that we don't see. I, I wrote this in my notes. We all need people who speak what we didn't know we needed to hear. Right? We all need people who can speak what we didn't know we need to hear. And oftentimes what we didn't want to hear. I still remember my, my dear soulmate, David, who's been a part of a group with me for, for years. And he's the one that came up when I first got cancer and pastored Marie and I for a couple of days, stayed with us in our home. And, and when he and I went out on a walk, it was a year ago, January, and I was telling him, I said, David, I've got no trouble, I don't think, in trusting myself to Christ. I believe in the eternal life. I believe that Christ has died for my sins and that I'm saved and I'll be with him forever. But I really have a hard time letting go of my family. I don't want them to go through what they will go through. So basically, God can't take me now. <laughs> I won't allow it. <laughs> right. Well, David, gentle, gentle, but direct. So, Lon, I think what I hear you saying is that you trust the sovereignty the wisdom and the love of God for your future. But evidently, you don't trust God's sovereignty, wisdom, and love for your family when you're gone. Huh. Struck me over a year ago. Never forgotten it. It's what I didn't know I needed to hear, and maybe it's not what I wanted to hear, but I still cling to that because he gave to me what I could not find myself. The same God that I'm sure of for my future is the same God I'm sure of for my family's future. Keeps me going. I saw it demonstrated last week, everybody. I, we lost a precious, precious, we lost two precious men in our church last week. We lost Tom Johnson and we lost Jim Ballow. And just this last Monday, uh, we had the memorial for Jim Ballow. Beautiful, beautiful experience. And then afterwards, uh, the, the, the family uh, went to dinner, and Marie and I were invited. And what I didn't know is that, that Jim and uh, Linda's life group had been invited because they're family. And Marie and I sat with them. There were eight of us around the table, and they just told story and story about Jim and after Jim, and they told story and story about how Jim and Linda have helped them, and, and, and they, just, they just basically said, we do all of life together. 
and Linda is going to be taken care of. You need group of trusted friends. And it's hard to get in it, I know. But if you're not in one, take a chance. Register for a life group. Talk to somebody out there. You may meet some lifelong friends there that you, you will sustain and they will sustain you until Jesus returns. So number two, we love and grow together. Number three, we love and reach the world together. Again, the passage I have, again, from Colossians is verses 5 and 6 of chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, love God, grow together, and then you reach the world. Every Christian is a missionary. It goes with the, it goes with the territory. Protein, carbohydrates, fats. Love God, grow together, reach the world. Someone who's not reaching their world at all, I, I wonder if they've got a carbohydrate lax. Because it goes with the territory of being a, somebody that has Christ in them. Well, what does Paul say about it? He says, well, be wise toward outsiders. And we say, how? He says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Here's, here's what I have taught our staff here at the church, and so I'm giving it to you this morning as well. You make the most of every opportunity by speaking about Jesus to people. It, it, witness is more than just speech, but it's never not speech. Okay. And so I've been teaching our staff to look at their speech with neighbors and friends and co-workers and relatives, etc., in three different ways. Making, number one, comments. Number two, conversations. And number three, conversions. I'm looking at uh, uh, John Walker, our church chairman. This is what we taught to the elders last month, too, didn't we, John? So these are three different ways that you talk with people, that you speak about your faith. Comment means it, it, there's no conversation. It's just a comment you make, like, I promise to pray for you. Or, God bless you. There's, there's, no, there's no more engagement than that. They, they might be a stranger, et cetera, et cetera, or, or there's only a moment and they're passing away. Uh, my dear neighbors across the street struggling with Alzheimer's in the home and, and the man is walking his dog all the time and grieving for his wife. And, and I'll just say constantly, Mel, we're praying for you. Comment. But it can go deeper. It goes into conversation. Uh, like yesterday. He stopped. I quit putting away my Christmas lights, which I didn't want to put away anyway because it's epiphany, which means to shine. <laughs> you let him stay longer, right, pal? Yeah. I like you. Uh, but this time we started talking more, and, and, and I even poked a little bit. I said, is it time to bring in outside help? Uh, let me be a pastor to you for just a moment, even though you don't go to a church. Uh, 
have you considered getting her to a place where she can be cared for and you can visit as much as you want during it? And he's not ready for any of that. But conversation was happening. And before he continued to walk with Daisy, his precious dog, I said, Mel, I'm going to pray for you right now. And I put my hand on his shoulder and I just interceded for him and for his precious wife and that God would lead them and guide them and God would come near to him in his heart. You see? And then, of course, the third kind of talking is when you're talking with somebody and you realize they're going, yes, 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 yes. And then you can say, well, would you like to receive Christ now and commit your life to him? And then they go, yes. Then you get up from the floor where you just fell (laughs) and you lead them to Jesus. Not that hard. It's wondrous. Well, for the third one, how do we do this? Well, we've got Explore God coming starting next week. Many of you have been praying for people. Now's the time to invite. Take your invite cards. Put a yard sign up or a window sign if you don't have one. And this week, the people you've been praying for, just invite them to come. You're not responsible for them coming. You're only responsible for inviting Let God do the rest. So let's sum it up. The macronutrients of the spiritual life are to love God, to love and grow together, and to love and reach the world. We love God 15 minutes daily in the word and prayer. We love and grow together, join a committed growth group. And number three, love and reach the world. Pray and invite and be ready to let God use you. Pray with me now. Father, to you I commit these uh, friends, your precious word from the letter to the Colossians. And I ask God that we would shine this year, that you would fill our lives with love for you, love for one another, and love for the world. And now, dear friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen and amen. If you need prayer this morning, come on down. We're here for you. Have a glorious day.